I met Christine O'Donnell in 1999 when I was a teenager, hanging out at the steps of the Central Bank of Ireland building in Dublin's Temple Bar. Many of us played music and gigged in the city, which provided more opportunities to set the world to rights over a few warm ciders. Christine is educated and a talented writer, but like many people in the capital that are far removed from family elsewhere, she's made vulnerable to homelessness by low wages, insecure accommodation arranged through the private market, and her need sometimes for intensive medical care. I underwent a trauma and a major trigger and went into a psychiatric meltdown because I have schizoaffective disorder. When were you diagnosed with that? I was diagnosed when I was 19. It, it affected me in patches here and there, but it would usually wind up with a stay in a psychiatric ward where med- medications would be adjusted. And um, How often, can I ask, uh, did that happen? Uh, three times. Three times over a period of, um, what, like 15, maybe 10, 10, 15 years? Uh, about 13 years. Right, okay. And the stays on average a few weeks? One week to a month. Right, okay. Um, I don't want to linger too much on that topic, but I suppose just to illustrate that, uh, for the most part, you were you were out there in the world doing your thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I always worked um, from when I left college. Uh, yeah. I, I had a job in college. What I had a job. I, I studied uh, Russian. I, I graduated from that and then I used my Russian to do internships so I spent many years doing internships around Dublin for like the Migrant Rights Centre and various places where I could employ my Russian, cross care and these kind of places. But I also kept held on to my paying job in a holistic store which was low pressure, low money. So I, I was broke but I was managing and right. do, doing work that I found very satisfying so I was, I was, I was quite happy. I suppose, in, you know, if you look at it from the point of view of, um, I suppose, your vulnerability to homelessness, I mean, how would you compare yourself to people you met in emergency accommodation? Everybody comes with their own story. It's gauging things by vulnerability to homelessness can be problematic. The markers aren't the most obvious things in the world. Personally, I would believe that anyone on the spectrum of dual diagnosis, which is where you have a mental health issue or an addiction issue, and they play havoc with each other. If somebody has dual diagnosis, I would see them as being extremely vulnerable to homelessness. If somebody has a mental health issue, they're vulnerable to homelessness. A lot of research has been done in the UK to imply that younger LGBT people are more vulnerable to homelessness and people with an addiction. It ultimately comes down to perceived or an actual fallout within the support network that a person has. Right, so did you have that problem? Did your support network fail you? Yes. Because I was in when i get sick i tend to isolate myself quite severely i was feeling very very isolated i knew i didn't have enough money to meet the rising rents i was getting doors slammed in my face looking for the homeless app because i hadn't found pathfinders yet pathfinders is the name for the program in the dublin city council homeless services to aid people in finding hap accommodation so they locate tenancies which are specifically geared to hap the landlord has already signed them up as hap they contact the landlord the landlord then will have a viewing and the potential homeless resident will come and view the property i didn't know what it was in in the homeless sector there's a 
big case of the left hand not knowing what the right hand is doing. Why would you say that? I think it's down to too many lines of bureaucracy and bad communications between the different members of different units within the homing, the housing unit because I, I was told one day to go to Focus Ireland because there would be caseworkers there who'd be able to help me and I went to Focus Ireland and I was told there's, there's no caseworkers here that can help you so I said look I'm on the verge of a mental breakdown and I really really need help so somebody came out and told me to dress up smile look my best and go out and find a house when you're single and homeless there's less services available I got a call on March the 4th 2017 telling me I would have to be out by the 1st of April because I had fallen behind on my rent. I suspected they wanted to increase the rent for the room and I had already asked to go in the homeless half uh, so they just didn't want me and, and, and I owed money but they, they never gave me a warning or anything. Um, How much money did you owe? At one point I owed them 500 euro. How much was your rent every month? It was 375. Then I started, I I went down to the county council because I knew I had nowhere to go. I said, can I get the homeless half? And they said that I could. So I started looking. Then I started traveling between Tipperary and Dublin and couch surfing. I have family in Tipperary. But your work and your life are here. Everything is here. My, My, also my psychiatric care team are here and they were invaluable to me at that point in my life. I was doing daily visits to a psychiatric day hospital. It was a downward spiral. Circumstances just became worse and worse and worse. I wound up doing the couch surfing thing. I managed that for about not even three weeks. It was that like staying with friends or using staying with friends, stay, like couch surfing here and there, but generally feeling like a burden. That was my own self-perceived, internalized kind of notion that I was a burden on my friends and being places where I didn't feel welcome. Even though I'm sure I, I'm sure I was welcome, but I didn't feel welcome, and um, I just said I, I can't continue to rely on other people. I want to be independent, so I I went into a homeless hostel. Um, so when you made the decision to do that, um, how did you how did you put it that into effect? What did you do? To make I went that? I went down to the county council that morning, and I said um, I have nowhere to sleep tonight, and they managed to get me a six month rolling bed. What's a rolling bed? It means you can stay for six months and if there's a place for you to stay after another six months, you can stay there for another six months. But it's not a fixed bed. You change where you sleep all the time. Oh, so you could just, you would be assigned a place. Uh, You're assigned a different bed on a... On a, on, on a nightly basis, sir. It can be a nightly basis. It, see, there's also, on top of the hostel system, you have the free phone. The free phone is for rough sleepers who haven't been able to get a bed from the county council 11 or 12 is the latest you can call and then you can call at like 6 or you can call at 4 but you didn't need to avail of this service presumably no no because I went into the council and they booked me in I was lucky I got a 6 month bed not not everybody gets a 6 month bed but being a young single female puts you at a more likely percentage to get a rolling bed in comparison to a man for example yes yes men will be treated differently where did you put your thing when you're being moved around all the time. So you had a bed, but not a room. We were supposed to pack up all of our things into a bag every night in case they had to be moved in the morning. So I just had one of those checkered plastic heavy duty bags 
There's hostels where you have to leave at six in the morning and you can't come back until six in the evening. Some are run by the council, some are run by Peter McFerry, some are run by Crosscare. So... And how was the atmosphere in that place? What was it like? It was toxic, complete toxicity. It was completely toxic. Um, You're giving me a very haunted expression there just as soon as I asked you (laughs) It consists of a building of three stories. So there was two male floors and one female floor. In other words, I remember one female floor, one male floor, one mixed for couples. I was on the female floor that was mixed for couples for the most part. I was, I, I changed as well within the hostel. Like for example, on the very first day I was there, I was waiting outside of the hostel. To, to be admitted to the hostel? Yeah, because you, you know, I was out and I was feeding the jocks grapes because it's close to the canal there. So I used to do a lot of that. I went back and you're always back a bit early because you've been out in the street all day. So you're just anxious to get indoors. As we were coming in, there was a, a couple in in the hostel. The man, uh, the boyfriend, had his girlfriend's hair in his hand, and he was trying to. It was as if he was trying to put a hole through the door with her head. I was absolutely terrified because I wanted to intervene, but I knew he was he was just wild with violence, and I knew I wouldn't stand a chance. You know, the worst thing that happened for me personally was just with another member of the hostel, and we took a, a, a kind of a, a warmth to each other. So she said to me one day, do you want to spend the day with me? And I said, yeah, sure, sure, why not? And we went to somewhere in Dublin, which is, um, would be an underprivileged area. She took me inside this house. There was, it was just a crack den. I just sat in the corner and smoked cigarettes and stayed pretty quiet. I left, uh, and um, then as I was leaving, I saw children in the next room and that just, that was probably the worst thing, was seeing children in that house. Seeing children in that house just really shocked me beyond words, you was, know. Was there anyone you met in that hostel who you could sort of look at and say, ah, I see what you mean, you're in kind of a similar boat to me and, you know, you're not that bad? Yeah, I connected with uh, with practically everybody from the hostel. Yeah. Nobody, I was treated very well. You've got a bit of a baby face as well still, so... <laughs> I guess I guess they're all like, oh, pet, what are you doing here? Is that kind of how it was? Like, <laughs> kind of, yeah. like, and people would be always saying, don't leave your phone there, don't leave that there. Right, don't so you had a bit of a mum situation happening, like, around you, possibly. Yeah, people were looking out for me, yeah. you know, and um, and I looked out for people. I would listen to people, and, and they would tell me about their lives and their experiences and their stories. It was very humbling, mm. you know, it was, it was, it was... It was very, very humbling. So even in the midst of all this, you were sitting there sort of feeling somewhat fortunate. I, 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 I could definitely count my privilege. I have the privilege of education. Not everybody has that. Do you think that that's the thing that, you know, sets you apart in, in that situation? I, I would think just sheer motivation to be busy. Not even education. Motivation to be busy. Get out there, volunteer, get your references. You don't have to go to college, you don't have to go to school. 
I think there's there's loads of ways of getting out there and getting more active and more involved and building that support network back up and, and, and trying to foster healthy relationships that are good for you. Whereas a lot of people in the hostel, I would say in my estimation, about 95% of people in that hostel were chronically addicted. Um, so it's it's well and easy to say get on out there you know if somebody has a bad heroin habit it's hard to get these messages across but I, I think that's the best way to do it if if you're if you're in a place where you can it's the best it's the best way to get out of that situation I was in that hostel for one month and then I moved to a different hostel for another seven months and that hostel was on the South Circular Road. The difficulty in finding a place came from the fact that I was going to a lot of viewings where there were people with references and cash deposits up front. You don't have a cash deposit up front if you're looking at a homeless hop. The landlord has to be willing to wait to fill out paperwork. Most of them just don't want to do that. And then there's the added stigma against people in lower socioeconomic situations. I, I have proof of that from some of the landlords I spoke to who told me not to come when I told them I was on hop, having told them I worked and all of these things. So how many viewings did you go to, do you think? Oh my God. I'd say I went to about 45. Every single one of these viewings had dozens of people at them. But as soon as I would mention the HAP, they would just write HAP in big letters. What those letters signified remained to be known to me. Christine was neither sick nor without the ability to advocate for herself. She even had a job, but in her own words, Becoming homeless was, for me and many others, a result of bad luck, bad timing and a chronic health condition. Between the cold faces of the housing crisis and the health crisis, I am not alone. There are people on chemotherapy who are sleeping rough. The crisis of housing provision in Ireland has not been limited to those without work or agency in their own lives, bringing to mind a proverbial gallows on which the crowd are thrown while the onlookers say, there but for the grace of God, go I. That's all for Housing Crisis Update. If you'd like to subscribe to Housing Crisis Update, visit murphythejournalist forward slash news or follow us on Twitter at murphythejournal or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash murphythejournal.